The difference between capturing and creating demand seems to be a really hot topic right now. But the conversations are almost always around net new acquisition. So today we're going to go at this a little differently. We're only going to talk about creating demand with your existing customers. And it's something we're really focused on right now, so it's really timely. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. Well, hold on. Before we get started here, and I promise that we don't get any referral fees for the merch here, why don't you tell people what is on your sweatshirt, Jason? Because they need to know. Yeah. I've got my new favorite sweatshirt on. It says, marketing attribution is fake. We literally made it up. And so I saw this on LinkedIn recently. It's Amanda Nielsen. She does these. Um, and I had to have it because it was just like, I've been talking. I mean, I haven't said that like it's fake, but like it, you know, it's, it kind of is. And it's like really whatever you want it to be. And so I love it. Yeah. And I just love that we've got things like this now. You know, we can make fun of ourselves a little bit. All right. New episode further down the line. Marketing attributions made up. That'll be a good one. <laughs> nice. All right, so yeah, in the intro, we were talking about like, okay, we're creating demand. Usually, we're always focused on net, like net new acquisition when it comes to demand. Uh, but today, we're going about it differently. It's about creating demand with your customers. And so we're going to spend a little time defining it. Um, but really, what we're talking about is customer marketing, right? Yeah, and I think customer marketing right now is one of those terms that's not very well defined, mostly because it seems to be so new. So for us, we look at this as customer marketing and how you define customer marketing without using the word marketing, at least. It'd be hard to do it without customers, too. How do you make sure that the people who are currently using your product uh, are getting as much value out of it as possible and can be successful using it? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a hard discipline to think about in a high growth new startup because, like, you're really just, you know, like every resource I have, I've got to bring in like net new business and like bring in that demand. And, but you know, one of the things that we'll talk about too, is our fourth hire is a customer marketing manager. So I think, you know, we see, we see it a little differently and it was something that it's a transition I had to actually make too. You know what I mean? Like it, throughout this whole thing. And, and actually you've helped me make that transition in my mind too. And so, yeah, this is a cool topic. Um, so let's let's try and define it first, I guess. So that's usually kind of how we start these episodes. So let's define customer marketing. You got you got something? Yeah, so I think similar to what I'd mentioned before, it's making sure the people who are currently using your product know what to do, know how to do it, and are getting as much value out of it. I think it comes partially in the way of a customer marketer, you know, running those campaigns. I think it also comes by way of uh, your product marketer uh, getting really solid on making your product more self-service so it's not a drain on your CS team. But I think it's everything that comes after acquisition. And we as marketers are so focused on net, net new logos that we kind of forgot about customer marketing until we realized how important NRR is. And once you hit that stage in your company, I think it's at that point when you begin to prioritize it and you're like, holy shit, we got to have somebody owning this and, and running yeah. this moving forward. So we keep our customers too. Yeah, and you know, it's it's probably even more important when you've got a pretty technical product, you know, maybe one that's also maybe not as easy to use. Um, because what you're trying to do is like you're making you're, you're wanting to make sure that people, new customers, you know, are know exactly how to adopt, know how to bring it into their organization. And oftentimes because marketing, the marketing department 
should be one of the closest to the customer, you know, and like what they need and what they want and where they're at. And also marketing is, should be good at communicating. You know what I mean? It just makes sense for this to come. Cause like some people might think, well, isn't that the job of CS or might maybe, isn't that the job of, and just this adoption piece really that I kind of focus mm-hmm. on right now, but isn't that the job of CS or isn't that the job of engineering or product or something like that? And I think, you know, have, making people or making sure people have a good experience onboarding, making it easy, getting value, you know, how do you get more value from the, the platform? All of that, the intention is to run up to the renewal, help the, you know, help make sure that renewal is going to happen. But more importantly, like, see if you can make sure they're having success with your platform, which then they will, you know, kind of self-renew or, you know, maybe even upgrade too. Yeah, and I think the other thing, and we're going to give away a ton of cheat codes here, but I think the other thing that we haven't talked about as it relates to customer marketing is for the people that are seeing a whole lot of success with you know your product or service is showing those people off, featuring them in your content, turning them into, I hate this term, but it makes sense, ambassadors. Like, How do you turn them into people who can go you know, shout from the rooftops the positive experiences and the value that they're seeing from your product? you know, in the places where people are buying. We just talked about dark social, you know, communities, social media, uh, other groups, meetups, like you name it. Like those are your little advocates that can be marketers and really a weapon for your product or service too. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of facets to it too. Like we've already kind of, as we're defining it, we're already kind of talking about some of the facets, you know, that are involved here. One of them being adoption. I think another one that we're, talking about and doing is a customer advisory board, you know, another kind of discipline in this area could potentially even like start to tentacle out into community. Um, there's, uh, what's the other one I think I just left my mind, but there's all these different, basically like offshoots, you know, of customer marketing or these just like other disciplines or projects or things that you would do. And I think we'll get into some of those as well. Um, and I, one thing to add before you jump in, I am curious how this definition will change and evolve over time because like ABM, it's thrown around a lot right now. And I think people are defining it differently because it's such a new, I would say function, you know, in many companies. So it'll be interesting to see how the definition changes over, you know, the next six, 12, 18 months. Yeah. And like one quick story, um, some organizations they're, they're, actually they're never, they're never quick with Jason. So here we go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some companies that thrive off of, and they actually, they grow purely from existing customers. And I actually worked, so Getty Images, when I was there years ago, that was our primary motion of growth within the company because it was Getty Images, right? Getty Images has been around for 50 years or something like that, right? So like they'd acquired a ton of customers it was hard to acquire new customers. And actually that business had become like very commoditized. You know, when Getty first started 50 years ago, it was like, or it wasn't that long ago. It was probably 20, 25, but it was like print images and like everything was expensive and these big relationships and all this stuff. And then it became digital and like commoditized. It was really, really, really hard to gain net new customers. And if you did, they were spending pennies. And so it was really in the entire marketing department, our almost entire motion was again, was like 80% existing customers, 20% net new. So I, I, it was in, it was, it wasn't that fun. I will be, I will be honest. Like that wasn't that fun because the company still wanted to grow and get new net new customers. So it was kind of like not a great scenario, but some, you know, some companies will thrive off of that. So it's just kind of an interesting thing that we don't usually think of as like some companies, actually their main motion for growth is through their existing customers and not net new acquisition. 
Yeah, and I think that wasn't too I've long. seen it. No, no, it wasn't. That was better than most. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I read Saster from Jason Lemkin all the time, and he's always sharing stats around even if you're not growing, you know, maybe as much as you'd like year over year, yet your NRR is best in class. Like you can build a pretty sizable book of business for your company. And I think customer marketing, while it may not have a direct measurable impact on NRR, I think it, it helps with NRR. And that's something that we're going to be figuring out ourselves. You know, once we hire this, uh, not hire, once we have our new customer marketing manager start in a couple of weeks here. Yeah. And actually I just thought let's, let's, def- let's give everybody the definition of NRR. Cause I've actually said that on some calls and some, some marketers don't know what it is too. So NRR is net retention rate. And it's basically when you're looking at, I'm trying to do this definition. It's when you're looking at your, it's kind of a, it's related to churn, but you're looking at it from the positive perspective. So you're basically saying from a revenue perspective, in a given quarter, let's say, how much of your revenue left? So the people that churned, what revenue did that leave? And then how much did the existing customers grow their revenue in that quarter? And the difference between that is your net retention rate. And you want net retention rate to be over 100% because that means you're you're bringing in more dollars from your customer set than you're losing in every of those quarters or whatever your measurement time frame is. And for us, and this actually gets into why it's so important for us at Metadata is our primary company metric is not ARR, it's actually NRR. So we focus on net retention rate. And by focusing on that, it means we focus on customer experience. We focus on bringing the right customers in, in the beginning that are going to renew and upsell and have success with the product. And so anyway, so that gives everybody a little bit of context of that NRR piece. And even though it's called demand gen U, there will be no tests. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We all have some algorithms here. Yeah. Um, why else is it important? You know, why, why else is it important to us here? Would you say? Yeah, I, th- I think for us, and if you've been following metadata for the last year and a half or so, we as em- metadata employees have even been blown away at how vocal some of our own customers have been in a completely unsolicited way on LinkedIn in communities and turning into an extension of our team. So what we're trying to do from a marketing perspective, from a customer marketing perspective, a CS, like really just the entire brand experience is turn these people into the advocates that will help market and sell and refer, you know, people in their networks to metadata because it holds that much more weight when you're hearing it from an actual marketer, not a marketer that works for the company. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing for me, it's actually a little personal too. And here's why it's because like, you know, we run a lot of conversation ads and those conversation ads come usually from me. Right. And so like, I get a little personal. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, these people are coming in to metadata, like under the guise of like what Jason said to me in this conversation ad, you know, so I get a little like, I want to make sure I didn't lie to them, you know, like they're going to get value from the platform. So like get having customers get value from us and from the platform is like so important to me too. just like personally, it's like a little extra flavor of it, you know, because like the ads are coming from me. And so I feel a little bit more like attached, I think. <laughs> I, for sure. Yeah, because you get some uh, some interesting LinkedIn messages, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Very true. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, OK, so let's talk about what we're doing um, from a customer marketing perspective now. So we as everybody kind of knows, we're three marketers right now. Uh, we've hired a customer marketer. They don't start for a couple more weeks. But so what are we doing today? Yeah, so I think the reality is we 
we know customer marketing is important to us today, but without our customer marketing manager here, we haven't been able to spend as much time on it. That will quickly change when we have a clear owner for it. But what we're trying to do, it just feels more ad hoc right now. And we want to put together a, a solid strategy instead of just doing things when we have time. So for customer marketing, I think a perfect example is we'll do campaigns where you know, we'll send an email out to renewals in a given quarter and try to do, offer up Jason's time or my time for a specific type of you know workshop, if you will, or uh, office hours since we're on the, the Dimension U topic and really just help them use us as a sounding board. So I think that's the first thing that comes to mind. And I think another thing that we've kind of fallen behind on and we're definitely going to be getting back to uh, is uh, not just our customer newsletter and sharing you know customer successes that maybe we don't have approval to share externally just because of you know the the companies that we're working with and they won't allow us to shout it from the rooftops. We understand we, that we come across that all the time. And then I think the second thing is, or sorry, third thing is how we manage our review program. So you know, yeah. our CSMs are amazing. They're helping, they're the ones that are helping get us really, really solid reviews in addition to people's experiences with the platform. But they have so much going on in their world that it's hard for them to always remember to you know get more reviews and when the review reporting periods close for G2. So we just did that recently. We had a really solid email a couple of days before the uh, the reporting period closed. And I think we had like 18 or 19 reviews that came in. And for us, the differentiator is when you give, give, give from a marketing perspective and then ask for something instead of asking for something every time we're blown away at the response and how willingly people are, you know, looking to respond and help us out. Yeah. And a little aside to that, I love the fact that we did it that way because guess what? We didn't hand pick people to give us reviews and guess what? We got like three mediocre reviews or something out of that. Right. So it was like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally fine with that. You know, it's a better picture of, you know, a more clear picture of what we're doing. Um, I want to touch on the meetings with customers thing, because that's, I think, a critical thing that we're doing right now that is just not scalable, but is really helpful. And here's what we're seeing is that, uh, you know, Mark and I both meet with, I don't know, five customers every couple months or so, something like that. And what we're seeing is, and I feel bad for these marketers, like most of the ones that I'm meeting with, it's not a platform problem. It's not a creative problem. It's not a it's not it's not a mar- it's not an advertising problem and it's definitely not a technical problem. It's a sales and market it's one of two things usually. It's a sales and marketing alignment issue. And so one of the biggest examples of that we see is oh marketer, you mean we met all of your goals and actually exceeded those goals and then you took it to your leadership and they weren't happy with it? So right that's a clear sign. It's like what the hell? Like we just met all of our goals and now you're telling us we still have like we still have to like go and try and win the business again. That's, that's a tough one because that's just a tough one. Um, and then the other one is the marketer is actually unfortunately not that good. <laughs> and maybe there's a third. Actually, there is a third. The third is the marketer's good, but there's not product market fit. And in one of the meetings I had recently, I was just me and the marketer and I asked him, I said, I'll never say this outside of these walls, but just tell me, do you, because I was kind of getting the sense of myself when I did some research. <laughs> Wait a second, like, I don't... except on a, on a podcast, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you, yeah, exactly. Do you feel like you have product, like the product has fit? And he's like, no, not really. And so as a marketer, if you're already there, 
like how you know you're already like you're starting from a negative position you know what i mean and you're already going to try and like i'm marketing something that i don't even believe in you know and so it's just interesting as you meet with customers that are using your product and you have these deeper discussions you actually start to really get some insight about what they're dealing with and what's product issues versus what's like systemic company culture cut type issues it's really interesting now that being said, because we're marketers and I want to stick up for marketers too, the luxury that I think we have and we take for granted is because we are marketing to marketers. We have a very strong sense of what's going on, the common problems that people run into and, and the challenges that they're faced with. I think for many of the companies that use metadata, you know, they're not marketing to marketers. So they're just sure. not in it and hearing from as many people. So I've been there before. Sure. It sucks. It's awesome to be on the other side. And I think what we're trying to do is pay it forward with all of our customers. We do have a luxury. And I think some of the times too, it's, it's as simple as getting one of us on the phone with their executive team, because sometimes it's that age old thing. Somebody just needs to hear it from a third party source. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter how good you are internally. You can sing it from the hilltops, have all the data to support it in the world. And your CEO or CMO is still not going to quite believe it until they hear it from that third party that they, for some reason, trust. And so that it does help them with that, I think, too. So let's talk about the executive comment that you made for a second, because that's something that we're trying to work on, too. So why don't you give away some cheat codes of what you're starting to build out for the executive outreach and alignment? Yeah, that's a good point, because um, one of the things it, that we're seeing is sometimes if we're maybe our primary contact or primary user is director or a senior manager or somebody that's just not in charge of marketing, um, they may not or just don't, you know, have as much pull. And I kind of mentioned, like, sometimes we're like we're talking to the marketer and then we realize there's another party that has a stake in this and they're not happy. And so we want to get in front of that sooner than later. And sometimes the marketer that we're working with doesn't really even know that that would help. And so one of the things that we're doing both on the customer side, and I'll talk about that one, but also on the net new acquisition, but on the customer side is really just making introductions. So, you know, there's some automations we can run. Um, hey, here's the, the account. Do we have the VP of marketing? Do we have the CMO as contacts in here? If not, let's get them from like Zoom Info or from Sales Navigator. And then let's put them into a little drip as well, you know, just to introduce ourselves. Say we're here as a you know as a resource for you. If you ever need anything, here's Clay, our VP of Sales. Here's Olivia, our president. Here's Jason, our VP of Marketing. Gil, our CEO. You know, let us know how we can help. And um, we're just getting that started right now. We're not exactly sure what that's going to do, but we think it'll help. And it's really just a you know it's trying to get, build that relationship. And so um, yeah, so hopefully that will yield some good results. <laughs> We hope. And I think one of the things that you'll see here as you listen to more of these episodes is, yes, we have some of the answers that you might be looking for. We for sure do not have all the answers. So we'll give away some of the ideas that we're running with right now. And I think I look forward to sharing what's working, what's not working, and how we're going to change it in time. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the things that we want to do and we will be doing, I guess, so we can kind of bridge both of those? Yeah, so maybe... I think maybe one of the best places to start is our customer advisory board. I mentioned this in a post uh, a few weeks back on LinkedIn and kind of was blown away at the response and how many people were asking of, you know, hey, can you meet with me on how to build and run a cab? Uh, so I think for us, uh, while we're doing definitions again, cab is a customer advisory board. And for us, just given where we are as a company, the 
total number of employees that we have, you know, some of the, uh, the craziness and the disorganization at times, we didn't really have a clear owner for the customer advisory board and our new customer marketing manager is going to be taking that on in the new year. So we meet monthly with our customer advisory board and we've got, I don't know the exact number. I feel like when I looked at the invite, we've got a cap meeting later today. There's probably 25, 30 people on there right now. And what we've tried to do is get a, I would say a a decent profile of different company sizes uh, and seniority levels and roles. And ideally match that up to the ICP that you're selling to and marketing to. So it's almost like a mini focus group, if you will. And I personally am in touch with the cab, I'd say fairly regularly, just because I use them for feedback on messaging and campaign ideas and all that stuff. But what we typically do in those meetings is we share updates from product, engineering, sales, you know, partnerships, marketing at the company level. And it's a very safe space and it allows us to share ideas, uh, mostly good, some bad, and get real-time feedback before we shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, and they've been very helpful. Um, I mean, even a couple of the cab members are also investors, I think, as well, which so they have even more stake, you know what I mean, in us doing well. And so that um, that maybe helps, you know, us get a little bit more of their time. Um, you know, but one of the changes that we're wanting to make is um, we've been getting a lot of value from the cab. We want to push ba- value back into it. So I know, you know, that's one of the things that we're going to be looking at doing, too, with the new customer marketing manager. Yeah, because you think... You know, we think pretty critically of ourselves at Metadata and we can always do things better and differently, but we've been selfish in a sense that we've been getting a whole lot of value from this cab. And I like to think that the cab members are getting value out of it too, but we're going to make sure that it's more of a two-way street in the new year. And then from them, I think what I would like to do is start to almost create mini peer groups or mini communities in the cab. So similar title, similar company similar challenges and then that way we're you know letting marketers that use metadata not just talk to us at metadata but also people who are currently experiencing and maybe struggling with the same things that they do day in day out so that's i would say one of my biggest priorities because we're trying to turn customers into advocates really at the end of the day and i think that is the i would say the name of the game of customer marketing Yeah, and I know another thing we've been talking about, too, is um, exclusive content, exclusive experiences, exclusive, just exclusivity for customers. And this is is broader than the cab, but the cab maybe would get like a VIP version of that or something like that. But where when we have enough like, yeah, (laughs) we have enough people to do it. But um, that could be, you know, something interesting as well if. Or even early access to stuff. Like maybe you're going to, you know, have this content piece, but they get early access to it or an event or, you know, something where they're getting more ex- exclusivity. And then another thing that I've been wanting to do, too, as we hire these people and have more time is doing like little get togethers with the customers, you know, like the like the CMOs, VPs of marketing from these customers, bringing them together. They're all having similar problems. They're do- using similar tools. And so having these roundtables, but doing it in like in person, you know, like starting to do and we're actually doing some of them now, just not through marketing. You know, we've got our CS team and sales um, kind of putting some of these on in some some different cities. But I want to do more of that and more focused on, you know, customer and customer value and like bringing people together. Yeah, for sure. And I think on the the exclusivity part, this is I'm trying not to get too excited about this, but one of the things that we've 
very briefly talked about, and really our North Star is the way that Gong uses their own platform data for you know sales professionals. We want to do the same for B2B and revenue marketers. And I think moving forward, once we start to share some of these findings and insights is doing, you know, could be a virtual event, could be an in-person event, but we're, we are sharing some of these insights and trends before we actually share it with the rest of the world. Not that the B2B marketing world is very big, but we want to make sure that they have first access to it. So that can be really cool for us. I still don't know how we're going to do it just yet, but that's what we're working towards. And I think we're really excited about next year. Nice. Um, well, I know we're kind of getting, so we, should we take some questions? Let's do it. Cool. Uh, let's see. All right. Well, let's talk about, okay. This is a measurement one, which we usually get to, um, but we didn't in this one. So what types of goals would you have for a customer marketing function? That's interesting. Yeah. So I think this is challenging and this is really fresh in my mind because of the fact that we just hired our customer marketing manager. Uh, so as I was putting together some of these goals, I was trying to figure out how do you measure customer marketing from a legit quantitative perspective? And can you do that? I think to some degree, but what we're thinking about doing is equal parts qualitative and quantitative. So for qualitative, it's, you know, making sure that we've got X number of reviews. And I guess, I guess that is kind of <laughs> quantitative, but it's not like a stretch goal per se, uh, that we're generating each quarter that we're responding to each quarter. Uh, it's the, you know, revamp of the customer advisory board. It is starting up a, you know, monthly, or maybe it's twice a month customer webinar series where we are offloading some of the stuff that might be falling on the CSMs to the customer marketing manager and making it more self-service. So for us, the honest answer is I don't think we know just yet. We've got an idea of how we want to do it. We originally went in with NRR, and I think NRR is something that a customer marketing manager can influence, but not directly, yeah. you know, impact. So it's right. a balance. There's between a lot of two. things that go into that. You know, like yeah, for they sure. could do their entire job well, and the customer just for some reason doesn't get good value from the. You know what I mean? And like, there's nothing the yep. customer marketing manager can do. You know, the way I'm thinking about it, I think a little bit and is from the adoption perspective, you know, like as almost leading indicators, you know, like can, because we do have some, we have actually data about from contract start date to when they launched their first campaign. So we actually have that data. And so like, if we start to see that creep back, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's 20 days now, oh, all of a sudden it's 18, you know, now it's 17. So that'll be like some Oh, interesting. You know, we started this adoption program. We're getting stuff in front of people and now that's happening faster. You know, so that's, I think, some of the things that we'll be able to see as leading indicators on the quant, quant side, you know. And then, of course, we take pulses. We have customer health indexes, you know, indices <laughs> and all that stuff. Is that a word? So, <laughs> I think so. I, directed I might myself. have to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and just trying to keep that qualitative flavor on it as well. And then so like, it's a lot of the other things that we do, even on the net new acquisition side, it's like, let's do the things that we think will help with adoption in an authentic and relevant way. And it's probably going to work. You know what I mean? And so that's a lot of, even what we do on the net new acquisition side, we're just like, let's just do the things that we think are the right things to do, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe we'll do uh, another episode on this after we get this going. But one of the things that we haven't talked about is mapping out the customer journey. And what I mean by that is not just some fluffy 
slide in a presentation that you know you waste so much time creating and you don't actually use but trying to figure out what are the right moments in that onboarding process and then throughout their contract term and figuring out based on the data that we're seeing and and how well they're using or maybe not using the platform as figure which of those moments we should trigger you know campaigns based on so that's a huge undertaking that involves cs and onboarding uh, and marketing and and really our leadership team too so standing that project up will be a huge qualitative goal for us i would say as we get customer marketing up and running nice all right let's take one more question um where does community fall into all of this all right, I'm going to get in my soapbox here for a second. Uh, community is not creating a Slack channel. Uh, community is not creating some sort of message board. And I know there's a bunch of tools out there and hoping that conversation uh, is created and managed on its own. So I think for us, we will start to dabble uh, in community. And I think by way of our event in October of this year, demand, like we've got some very good things to build on when it comes to community but we are we're big believers in whole assing things and not half-assing things and i think we want to tread very carefully here with this customer marketing role as to not half-ass community and maybe participate in other communities you know as a customer marketing manager where we know our audiences uh whether it's you know dgmg or uh, pavilion or rev genius or some of the other communities that i'm missing and then once we truly start to have a community strategy in place, I think that turns into a full-time position. So we'll dip our toes in the waters. I just want to make sure that we're making the right jump and not falling uh, and belly flopping flat on our faces. Yeah, they're definitely two different and separate things with connection points. You know what I mean? For so sure. like on the customer marketing side, like, yeah, the customers are going to use the community. You know what I mean? Like the customers should get value from the community. Oh, there might be a separate place in community for customers. You know what I mean? So like there's like there's intersections and like maybe you even deliver support through a community, but they're wholly there's intersections, but they're wholly different things and disciplines. And so that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And that's how I recommend people think about it. So um, cool. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Demand Gen U. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and, and send us some questions. We want to keep these episodes coming and make sure they're helpful. Awesome. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.